Hey there, dealmakers. Welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. Now, Michael's actually currently living the financial freedom lifestyle on an island, so I'll be your host today. And there's a lot of owners listening to this podcast. You own businesses, you own property, but most importantly, you own your time and you chose to be here with us today. So let's get ready to own it. Our guest today, Curtis Morley, is an entrepreneur, mentor, and coach. He has an interesting take on why businesses don't scale and how emotions get involved in your decision-making. But before we get into that, I want to mention that Dealmaker Live is coming up. Early bird pricing on tickets ends March 31st. So as we get closer to the date, those ticket prices go up. So you want to make sure you get your early bird tickets right now. We've got some fantastic speakers like Damon John, Robert Helms, and myself, I think. I think I'm there. But it's going to be an amazing event, and we can't wait to see you guys there. So go grab your tickets at dealmakerliveevent.com. Don't wait because pricing is going up. I want to give a shout out to NCR. He says, thanks for all the value you guys provide. The show has lots of different types of interviews with various real estate investors, and I get a ton of value from what you guys put out there. And if you guys are listening, I'd love for you to go and leave an Apple review, and I'll give you a shout out as well, just like that. Now, what I want to talk about today is what I consider the kiss of death for investing in apartments. And this is, for anyone, this is how you can really screw it up. And it is possible. So the kiss of death when investing in apartments is you bought it too high, your operations are not working, you run out of cash, and you have the wrong debt on the deal. Let me tell you why. So let's say you go into a deal, you bought it too high. Well, no one wants to buy the deal from you now. Your whole plan was to make the operations improve. And so you're going to go and do something like your renovations to get rent bumps or whatever it is. That's not working because you don't have the right management company or you don't have the right person running it or something happens and you don't know how to get out of that. Your operations fail. You need money to fix those operations. So if you run out of money, now you can't fix the operations very hard. It makes it very difficult to do so. You could also have an issue where if you have contractors or something like that, they lien your properties and now you're in a legal bind on that site or, or they, they sue you or whatever it is. You have to have cash to make these things work. So maybe your occupancy drops, maybe you run out of cash and then the kiss on top of it, let's say the, the wrong debt. So you put a piece of debt on there that, that has a big prepayment penalty. So now you're stuck in the deal. It's not cash flowing properly. You can't fix it and you can't even sell it because no one wants to buy it from you at a price. You're going to sell it at a loss and then a huge yield maintenance penalty that actually crushes your returns. That's how you can actually lose when you own an apartment complex. Now, luckily for us, we're experienced operators. We know what those signs are. We know what to look for. We know how to avoid those types of things. And even if we get into a pinch of one or two of those things goes wrong by chance because we didn't see something, we know how to spin out of it. And that's what you get when you invest alongside experienced investors or operators like us. So if you don't want to deal with any of this, you're like, I don't want to deal with any of the potential pitfalls of owning an apartment complex. And by the way, there's a ton more upside versions of this. It's really, you have to try really hard to get to this, this state. But if you don't want to deal with any of it, then just reach out to us and you can invest alongside us at Nighthawk Equity. Just go to nighthawkequity.com, join the investor club, schedule a call with our investor relations director, David, and 
you can just invest alongside us. And all you do is you get monthly reports telling you how things are going. And then you get checks in the mail. It's that simple. So yeah, I just wanted to give you guys a little insight as to how things can actually go sideways, potentially. Now, our guest, Curtis Morley, is a five-time entrepreneur. He's actually exited five companies. Uh, he's a, a Wall Street Journal bestselling author. He's a mentor, a coach, educator, thought leader. He's actually a mountaineer and a patent holder. He helps entrepreneurs achieve next-level growth through his company, The Entrepreneur's Paradox. Curtis has built companies achieving 20 times growth and acquired 96 of the Fortune 100 as clients for him. That's, that's pretty big. Curtis is also a Forbes Fast Company and Inc. contributor and has a goal of helping a million entrepreneurs achieve next level success. So with that, let's get into the interview with Curtis Morley. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. Curtis, welcome to the show today. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Garrett. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, th I think what you've discovered is, is pretty interesting in general. And it's called the entrepreneur's paradox. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that is? Yeah. So the entrepreneur's paradox is not something you're going to find in, in business school. It's an account of the 16 pitfalls. So every entrepreneur, when they're getting started, they fall into these 16 pitfalls, all of them. And it's a, it's a guidebook on how to climb your own mountain of success. And, and it's fun because if you can see the, the logo here, it's a Penrose triangle, but it also represents a mountain. And the paradox is that oftentimes when we think we're going up, we may actually be going down um, as we travel around the, the triangle. And, um, and to put it in more concrete terms, the, the true entrepreneur's paradox is what got you into business will actually prevent you from succeeding in business. That is super interesting. What does that mean? <laughs> that means if we can take a real world example. So in my case, I started my first company as a web and interactive designer. So I was really good at multimedia and interactive design and started, started a company just building websites. That was my, my first company. And people were like, wow, you're amazing at building websites. And I was like, well, yeah, I am. And they're like, well, you got to start a company. I'm like, yeah, I do. And, and little did I know that building websites had nothing to do with building a business. And so I continued to grow my skills and then I started a company. And even I actually don't say this anymore because I don't want this as part of who people know me for. But I, at the time, there was an international certification. And in this particular technology, I placed second in the world out of tens of thousands of people for designing interactive media and, and websites. And so that was my skill. And the paradox is that I had to actually give up that skill in order to become a skilled business person. Your whole identity changes as well, doesn't it? So you're, you're yeah. like, hey, I'm really good at this particular thing, like web design or whatever. And now you're like, shoot, I have to leave that behind. So I really have two questions on that. But 
The first one being, how do you do it? <laughs> Great question. Oh, um, so oftentimes, like in in my case, and and with the cupcake baker and the guitar maker and the you know, it doesn't matter what business you have. You know, most people think, oh, my business is so special and so unique. And yes, it is, but it's the product that's special and unique. The business experience, the entrepreneurial life experience actually has a timeline. And if you tell me where you're at in the timeline, I can tell you what's coming next because the experience is so similar for almost every entrepreneur. And so getting into you know, that, that process is the entrepreneur literally has to rip out their identity. Otherwise, they're going to be stuck in the swamp. And I, I talk about this analogy of wrestling alligators in the book. I talk about you know, how every day we wake up and we jump in the swamp. We just start wrestling those alligators. And we don't realize that it's impossible to drain the swamp when every day we're eye to eye with the alligator. And so once we decide, let's drain the swamp and we get out of that, all of a sudden we look up and there's this great big mountain in front of us. And we didn't even know it was there because we've been wrestling the alligators the whole time. We've been in that swamp, those alligators of, of angry clients or trying to find the best web design or cupcake recipe or, you know, instead, I always ask my the entrepreneurs that I mentor, I always ask them this one question. And this is when the light bulb goes on. This is that moment they're like, whoa. I say, if you're building the product, who's building the business? Wow. That's amazing. It's so true though. So the question that I had that directly follows that you like led perfectly into it is how do you replace, if you're the one that's building the product and you're like an all-star amazing web developer or whatever your skill set is, I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably struggle with this. How do you replace yourself in that? So how do you find someone that's going to be able to step into your shoes so that you can go and build the business? Yeah, uh, such a great question because the, the first step is making that decision. And I've had, I've had people that want me to come coach them and mentor them. And we've sat down and I, I've said, what I do is, is it's a little hard. It's, it's, you're going to rip out your identity, put it over here, and we're going to install a new operating system. And I've had, I've had people say, you know what? I thought about it. I'm good. I'm totally good. I, I, don't, I don't need that. And so the first step is just make that decision. Make the decision. I'm going, to, I'm going to give up the accolades, the magazine articles, the awards. I'm going to give all of that up. And I'm still going to, let's take the example of web design. Web design has this very specific process. You can still take that process and apply it to business or cupcakes have a very specific recipe. Take that and find the recipe for your business. And a lot of people say, well, I'm not going to have the same passion as I had when I was building the coolest websites in the world or the most delicious cupcakes or the coolest carbon fiber guitars or whatever it is. You know, they, they say, I'm not going to have that passion. And it's not true. Once they realize they can take that same passion and transition it over here, then that's, that's what really sets it apart is, is saying, I'm going, number one, I'm going to make the decision. I'm going to be the business leader instead of the product manager. And then number two is creating processes. I'm really getting in and saying, okay, how do I duplicate myself? One of my clients is, um, he's an editor. He 
does you know writing amazing. And he said, well, no, the reason I have all these book awards is because that's me, right? And going back to, oh, I'm the one that creates the magic. I'm the one that creates the secret sauce. That's me. That can't be duplicated. And if that were true, we wouldn't have universities. <laughs> if that were true, we wouldn't have any of that. So really identifying what is the process that makes your secret sauce secret? What is the magic that you have? Number one, identifying those steps and then documenting. That's key. You've got to document and then teaching it to others. And once you do that, then you can step out of the swamp. Then you can drain the swamp and you can start climbing the mountain to success. Yeah, that, that's actually a great point uh, where, you know, you, can, you only can physically do so much within your organization. And I think, um, you know, looking at it from that perspective where it's like, hey, listen, other people have done this in, in this business, actually, this business model in maybe a different way, but there is something behind it that everybody's, you can do to scale at us. And what we're really talking about is just scalability, right? At the end of the day, how, how you can get to a point where you're working less in the business and more on it, right? Yeah. So what if people listening to this are thinking, they're like, you know what? I don't, don't, I don't know if I want to be that CEO or that business leader. What can they do? So in starting to come- I stay exactly where they're at. <laughs> <laughs> and, and some people do. And, and that's okay. That's totally acceptable. That, that's reasonable. And it's funny because when you start a business, you think, oh, the world's my oyster and I can go any direction. But really, there's only three summits. There's only three mountains you can climb. And those mountains are lifestyle business, a buyer be bought strategy, or an IPO. That's it. You, you, those are your three mountain peaks that you get to climb. And if it's a lifestyle business, I live here in Utah. Right behind my house is this gorgeous mountain called Mount Chimpanogos, one of the most beautiful mountains in the world. And you know, it's just under 12,000 feet. And I actually do a thing called Summit on the Summit, where I take entrepreneurs up the mountain and we do experiences along the way. And it's an amazing transformational thing. But the whole experience happens. Uh, we start in the middle of the night. We come back down by the next evening. And the whole experience happens in basically a day. And that's kind of like your lifestyle business, is that you can climb the mountain. You, you, know, you throw a couple PB&Js in the backpack. You can wear shorts. You, you know, a little bit of water, you're good. You can do that. And you can do it by yourself. Not a good idea, but you can if you want to, you know, climb the mountain by yourself, all that. And so that's like the lifestyle business. And then the second peak is more like Kilimanjaro, which it's funny because when I wrote the book, I'd written about three fourths of the book before I went to Tanzania and climbed the big mountain. And I came back and rewrote the entire thing. It took another four months, but I rewrote the whole thing because of that experience. It was so transformational. And I actually am leading a group in October back up Kilimanjaro to do another summit on the summit. But that mountain, that mountain takes guides. You're required by the Tanzanian government to have one guide per person, as well as porters. So the people that are taking the food, you know, you've got a medic that goes with you. You've got, it's a group effort. And that's more like the buyer be bought strategy where your rapid growth, you're achieving much higher mountain. Whereas Temp is, Mount Timpanogos is about 12,000. 
Kilimanjaro is the tallest freestanding mountain in the world, just under 20,000. And it's a different experience. And you don't climb that mountain alone. <laughs> you don't. And an IPO is kind of like Everest. An IPO is the, the biggest of them all. And that one, you've got crampons, you're acclimating for months. Kilimanjaro, you know, is anywhere from five to 10 days. Temp is one day. IPO is months to get to the top of that mountain. Yeah. So, okay. So you've got your lifestyle business, the buyer be bought, which is, which is like hard. You need guides to get through. And then what Everest is like, if you don't, you don't have guides, the, the correlation is like, if you don't have guides, you're basically debt. Like there's no possible way to get yeah. to the top. So, so you yourself, but you, you start created different businesses. Have you done all of these or what, what is your ideal business? So what I love, what I find the biggest passion in is that middle, that middle mountain is the buyer be bought strategy is rapid growth, figuring out rapid growth strategies and applying business principles to successful businesses. And when I say successful, it doesn't mean, you know, hundred million dollars. It means that you found something that people love. You found that need, you found that desire, that market niche and, and taken that to a certain point. And most entrepreneurs, they just keep bumping up against this ceiling. They just keep hitting it, not realizing that they're wrestling alligators. They haven't picked their mountain. You know, they're climbing without a map. There's all these pitfalls that I talk about. And as soon as we apply the business principles, it just crashes through that roof and just skyrockets up. So I'm really excited about our mentoring program because of the results that we're achieving for our students. It's really the only program out there that guarantees results, meaning that we can guarantee you're going to do your first deal in the first 12 months. And uh, no one else does that. And we can do that because we have figured out the blueprint to getting people to do your first deal. So if you value mentorship and you feel like it can accelerate your goals, allow you to scale bigger and avoid the expensive mistakes, then check out our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. You can, you can schedule a call with us there, a strategy session, and see if mentoring is right for you. That's themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. What is your uh, success formula? Oh, love this one. Thanks for asking this. So when I meet with entrepreneurs to mentor them, I, I talk about, you know, do you have a goal? And almost every single entrepreneur says, yeah, I've got a goal. And then we actually get into it. And about 90% don't actually have a goal. They have a wish or a dream or some fun idea, but they don't actually have a goal. And that's where the success formula comes in. So the success formula, it contains four, four different parts. The first is how much. So a very specific financial number. And that can be based off of revenue, um, profit. That can be a growth number, but a very specific financial number that's a solid number. Um, so let's say in your business, you want to hit 20 million. And then, so the, step one is how much, two is by when, three is for what, and the final step is and why. And if I can break those down, so the how much is a specific financial goal. The by when, this is actually part of the magic right here. The by when, most people say, yeah, I want to you know, five years from now, I'd love to have an exit or something like that. But they don't actually put a date on the calendar. They don't say September 1st of 2026, I'm going to hit the revenue number of $20 million 
And, you know, and so that putting that date on the calendar, it goes from this ambiguous future thing that, yeah, that'd be cool to holy crap, September 1st, 2026, I've got to get going. I've got to have a roadmap. I've got to, and all of a sudden your brain, the biggest problem solving computer in the world right here inside our schools starts going to work. And not only that, when you put this out there, when you put this out into the universe, the universe says, hey, I see you. I'm going to help you. Thanks for letting me know where you want to go. And magic happens. So the by when, for what? So what is an event that's going to happen when you hit the 20 million? Are you going to buy, are you going to buy another company? Are you going to get bought out? What is that? And then finally, the why. And putting those four pieces together, especially the why. You know, what is it that's driving you? That's when, when companies I work with do this, they succeed. It's magic. It is such magic just by putting these, these things into real foundational um, values. That's incredible. Yeah, I, lo- I love that, how you broke that out. Because I think, you know, the, the one thing that I used to think about business is I was like, you know, I want to create this this business and I want to end up on a beach, like sell it, retire, end up on a beach and be done. And in and I actually simulated that. Hmm. And I, when I was 29, I got bought out of my business and I had more money than I ever had in my life. And I was was just kind of in this place where I'm like, all right, you know, let's go try this. I'm gonna go travel the world for a hundred days. I went a hundred straight days around around started in Asia and then I ended up on a beach in Australia. Nice. And I I just nice. woke up. Did whatever I wanted, which was basically nothing, or pet koalas <laughs> or something like that. And then I probably went out and had some drinks and tried to socialize at night. And I'll tell you, by the end of that, I was absolutely miserable. Uh, it was weird. Was was not the result that I thought. And so now that I'm back in the driver's seat of my second business, it's really cool because I get to try again at the, at the one that I kind of failed on the first time, and these things seem to all be in place and it's a lot of fun to the point where I'm like, shoot, I don't even want to go do those things as much anymore. But my, my question for you is you get to a point where you kind of achieve all those things. Or let's say you get, you get to the end and you sell and you do a big cash out. These people that sell their businesses and they get a big cash out, you know, it's kind of like then. Then what? Why should they even do that? Why should they even get to that that next peak? Or is it now? It's time to get into something else. What are your thoughts on that? Because you've been inside and out of multiple businesses. If you're if you're going after the the buyer be bought or IPO or just selling out of a business and being super wealthy, what's left after that? And being in that circumstance, what do you do? What have you found to be a great use of your time after that? That's why it's so important to understand what is your why. Because before that happens, before the cash out, before the equity event, understanding what is your why? Well, let me ask you, can I, can I interview you for a second? Sure. Yeah. Love so, it. So what is, what is Garrett's why? So this is funny because <laughs> the interview right after this is actually a person that helped me figure this out. So there is, uh, and I think there's another uh, entrepreneur by the name of Simon Sinek who, who does a find your why type of thing. So yeah, this yeah. guy's actually a right-hand person for him. But 
yeah, it's to lead with creativity so that we can grow together. And so I, I look at business with, I like being creative in some context. Like I have, I've started off with, there's certain things, you know, you can do that you just love doing all the time, but like you're like, we're talking about right now, they're not necessarily things that are going to make you rich in just that context. So like for me, I love to change the name of apartment complexes, or I love to do like anything creative with graphic design. So that whole creative side of me, I had to figure out other ways to apply it in the business. And I could do that forever. And whether it's, it's coming down to solving big issues. So I lead with creativity so that we can grow together is really kind of the why. And, and that can be applicable in any context. But yeah, so that's my answer, my long-winded answer. I, I love it. And, and what I heard in that is I heard contribution. I heard that I'm going to contribute to those around me to make the world a better place. I heard creativity. I heard you know passion in that. I heard that. And, and that's beautiful. That, you know, it's like you were saying, 100 days on the beach, it doesn't have much purpose. It's nice as a getaway every now and then, but really doesn't have much purpose. Being able to contribute, being able to give back, being able to help others like you're doing right now with this podcast and with, with the business you're building, like, that has meaning. That has a significant contribution to it. Absolutely. So yeah, starting with that why. And it was it was so hard to find that, by the way. Because yeah. I think everybody has it inside of them somewhere. I believe but, that. But to pull it out into words is actually can be pretty tough if you don't know what you're doing. And so we we it took me like a whole weekend to figure it out. I still didn't know if I had it buttoned up properly, but that was a huge game changer. Once you once you figure that out and you can actually discover kind of what it is, what's driving you and you pull it out of yourself, then it has a big impact. I, I love that. I love that you spent the time to do that because that's, that's where it's all, all about. And, and really digging into those emotions. Now, digging into the emotions of what is inside of me, because like you're saying, I truly believe everyone has greatness. Everyone. That's ubiquitous. I do too. Honestly, I, I think that every single person can figure it out and pull it out of them. But the majority live in this world of fear. They can't step outside of their fears to get to you know the other side. And unfortunately, so you know, I've been super grateful to have been able to at least explore that. My, my version of that was, I think if I had gone into the whole family thing earlier, it might've been harder for me. So I kind of left that sidecar while I went and slept on couches and figured out how I was going to make my way to the top. Everybody has a different driver, but then there's people that have, they start families early and that's their reason for moving forward. And they have, they have a why behind that too. So, but I I completely agree with you on that statement. Yeah. I'm really glad you touched on fear because, you know, going back to the success formula, if all it took was the success formula and then everybody succeeded, then everyone would succeed. Right. (laughs) But what stops people from climbing that mountain? not just stops them from progressing, but actually starting the climb. And that's fear. And in the book that I'm writing now, it's actually called Counterfeit Emotions. I go into the concept of every emotion, every authentic emotion has a counterfeit. And all of the authentic emotions, there's this little wily counterfeit over here 
that is saying, hey, this is the true emotion when it's not. And the way to identify that is, like you said, you were digging in, you're digging deep, is all of the authentic emotions connect. So it either connects me with myself, like you did in this exercise, it connects me with you and others, or it connects me with God or my higher power. And most of all, it connects with the truth. So if you look at some of the examples, like love has lust, right? Guilt, an authentic emotion, it gets a bad rap, by the way. Guilt gets a really bad rap. <laughs> Guilt has shame. Shame is the counterfeit. Guilt actually connects me to you saying, I'm sorry, I did something wrong. Let me make amends. It brings it into the light. Shame is the opposite. It says hide. It says, I'm going to keep this to myself. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm actually going to, you know, disassociate. You know, and you look at all of the emotions, but fear, fear is, it is one of the worst of all of them, all of the counterfeits. And in the book, I talk about um, one letter that can change fear into power. Would it be okay if we chat about that? Yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's one letter. And if you think about going into business, there's a lot of risk. There's a ton of risk. And there's a whole lot of what ifs. What if I make the wrong deal? What if I sign a bad contract? What if I go bankrupt? What if I lose my house? What if my family leaves me? What if, what if, what if, what if? And we what if ourselves to death. And it's really interesting because most of the counterfeit emotions that mirror the authentic ones, they look and act like the authentic one. So, you know, love has lust. They kind of look the same, right? And um, guilt has shame. Very similar, but that connection is the missing piece. Fear is the only one that doesn't look like the authentic emotion. Fear is the counterfeit of faith. Faith is a belief in something not seen, but true. Fear is a belief in something that's not true. Fear says, I can't, I won't, I, I'm not good enough. And it's one of those counterfeit emotions and it stops us. And if we take this simple, simple way to change fear into power, then we can tap into that greatness inside ourselves. And the way we do that is we take the F and we throw that F off of what if. So we have these what if statements. And did you, did you notice as I was saying those, what if I go bankrupt? What if I this? What if, did you notice how you felt? Did you notice a little anxiety, a little tension, you know? Yeah, a little bit, right? Yeah. yeah. Now pay attention to how you feel as I say these sentences. So we throw away the F and we put an S on the end. And instead of what if, we say what is. And it's key to recognize anytime we say what if, is throw that F off the end and say what is. And my dear friend, Richard Bass, he coined a phrase, it was so beautiful. He said, fretting on the future fuels fear. Perplexing on the past produces pain. Only the present provides peace and power. And so putting that S on the end gets us into the present and taps into our power. Now listen to these statements. Ready? What is in my power to change? What is my goal? What is the truth about this situation? What is the thing I'm going to achieve? What is another way to make this happen? Do you feel how that 
resonates inside and is energizing and empowering. All we have That's to do is amazing. How different it can feel just changing that one letter. That's incredible. How did how did you come up with this concept of counterfeit emotions? <laughs> this is what I'm going to have to get personal on because sure. because it came through a lot of pain. A lot of pain, and and I lived a lot of my life in fear, and it was you know as I was starting these companies, I was winning awards and being written up in magazines, and I had such imposter syndrome. I had an enormous amount of imposter syndrome, and you know through various things, it just built and built, and and one of the authentic emotions is pain. And the counterfeit for pain is misery and suffering. Pain is inevitable. It has to happen. That's part of life. And pain, I've learned now through going through several hard things, a divorce and some really hard times, that pain is actually a gift. Pain is an authentic emotion. Misery and suffering is the counterfeit. And misery and suffering is steeped in blame and shame and all of those things, whereas pain is inevitable. And if we'll just surrender to the pain, if we'll just say, you know what? I have empathy for myself. I have empathy for me and what I'm going through and surrender that pain to your higher power or to just life itself. Surrender that and say, you know what? It's okay. And instead of heaping misery on top of the pain, because that's the human nature, that's what we want to do. We want to say, oh, I stubbed my toe. Okay, I'm going to start blaming. Oh, that door. Oh, that door is so dumb. And, you know, and we get into this anger or the guy that cuts us off in traffic or, you know, there's so many triggers. And the truth is every single trigger that comes from pain is a gift as long as we start to unwrap it. And the reason it's a gift is because it tells us there's some growth. I'm handing you growth. Here it is. And it's beautiful. And so tapping into that and realizing pain is, pain is not bad. All we've got to do is realize where we're going to put pain. And if this is a spectrum, right? And this is the zero mark in the middle. My previous thinking, my thoughts before was that on this side is joy, on this side is pain. And you can either have pain or you can have joy. And they're exclusive. They're, they don't go together. It's one or the other. And you're going to be somewhere in the spectrum, right? But the truth is, this side is not pain. This side is misery. And pain can live in misery or it can come over here and live in joy. We can actually experience pain and joy at the same time. We don't have to live exclusive with pain or joy. Pain and joy and love, they can exist together. But misery and suffering, it cannot exist with joy. It cannot. Those two are exclusive. Such an amazing uh, reframe. And I couldn't agree more. I, I really... You think about anything good that's come in your life, some of the best things have come from you 
essentially taking a really painful moment and turning it into something positive. Yeah. You can't, you learn your, your biggest lessons when, when you experience something extremely painful Yeah, and, uh, and are able to turn it, my, me included. Uh, and, and you remember those, you remember those more than anything. You can, anyone you ask could point to you to numerous versions of that and, and the good that came out of it, I'm sure. Yeah. Which is and incredible. It's so amazing when, when we finally realize pain is a gift. And it's, it's presented to us, and all we have to do is unwrap it. And so often, we, there's this gift given to us, and we leave the bow on, and we leave the wrapping paper on and the ribbon, and we just leave it there. And in my case, I was taking that pain, that gift, and I was just jamming it into that steel box inside my heart. Mm-hmm. I would say, nope, I'm not going to look at you. Pain, nope, not part of my life. And I was just jamming it in that steel box not realizing it was a gift given to me so that I could grow. And if we just unwrap that gift, there it is waiting for us. Guys, you just heard it from the man, Curtis Morley. Incredible. I I absolutely love what you built and the way you've been able to present this book. And when does counterfeit emotions come out? Because I can't wait to grab one of those. Awesome. I'm just in the process of writing. Actually, you're one of the first people that I've shared it with. So, Oh, wow. Look at you guys heard it first on, on the uh, financial freedom podcast guys. So that's amazing. I love it. Well, Curtis, how can people get a hold of you? They want to reach out. Yeah. Best way is through entrepreneursparadox.com. So same name as the book. Um, you can grab the book on Amazon or Barnes Noble, wherever books are sold. But yeah, if they want to reach out to me directly, go to entrepreneursparadox.com. There's a form right there on the website and would love to help any of your entrepreneurs to achieve that level of success. Amazing. Curtis, thank you so much for coming on the show and and sharing your wisdom with the audience. I'm sure they're going to get a ton out of this. We will catch you later. Thanks, Eric. And guys, I love what Curtis talked about when he said, if you're building the product, then who is building the business? And it's it's absolutely so true. If you're so good at building this product, you know, let's say, let's say in apartment complexes, you're really good at you know some aspect of it, whether it's you know finding deals or raising money or whatever it is. But eventually, you want to scale and grow. As you get bigger, you're going to need to displace yourself in certain aspects of that in different ways. And it's challenging. It's definitely not an easy thing to do. But at a certain point, you have to step outside so that you can create the actual business that provides the product or service to people. So that really resonated with me. It's not always a perfect science either. I mean, there's definitely still things that I do that are, are not the highest and best use of my time. And you work every day to get better at that, to displace yourself with employees or other people as you grow and as you get bigger. In the beginning, you may be wearing a lot of hats to try to get off your feet, but then start to think progressively, hey, how can I offload a lot of these items I don't want to do so that I can scale the business in the right way and really focus on the business versus being in it? The other thing I love that he said was his definition of his success formula, which was, don't just have a wish or dream, have a goal. And then define that goal, how much, by when, for what, and why. And I think putting framework around that is is super powerful just in general. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And having a why behind all of it is obviously the most important so that you can move forward when you do sell that property that you own for a long time, then what, 
right? So having that why is super important. The other thing I love that he talked about was the counterfeit emotions and how there's always an emotion that goes with another one. And specifically fear, the belief that something that is not true is the counterfeit of faith. So very different than other counterfeits that you see. You throw the F and change it. So the IF, change it to what is, gets us into the present. What is, is the power to change. I love when he was telling that to me, I literally was like, wow, what is, keeps you in the present. I think that is so important to be in the present even with everything that you got going on, there's a lot of emotions in business. There's a lot of emotions just in general in property ownership. And trying to stick to the present, trying to be a problem solver in the heat of the battle, in the, in the moments where you're just, you have a ton of fear is so important to be successful in this business. So with that, I wanted to invite you guys to look at mentorship if you need help navigating. So that's one way that you can keep those emotions at bay is to look at at going alongside somebody that actually has done it before. And at the Michael Blank Brands, we have an amazing mentorship program where you can actually get aligned with somebody that's actually doing real deals in real time so that you can, all those fears dissipate, you know, you know how to navigate the waters in a way that you never could before. So for that, if you guys want to hear more about mentorship, Go to themichaelblanc.com slash mentor to get involved now. So that's our interview with Curtis Morley. Thanks so much for showing up, guys. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com slash vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.